Hi, I'm Judy Carter, and this is the Power of Purpose podcast, where we explore how to live a purposeful life and how creative people like yourself can make a living doing what you love doing. And here with me now in, would you believe, Chautauqua, New York, the Chautauqua in Institute is Victoria Labam. Hey, Victoria. Hey, Judy, and hi, all of you who are listening. Yes, it's so great to have you here because um, I woke up really early this morning because I'm on LA time, so I'm totally jet lagged. And your husband, Frank Oz, spoke, and I went, Oh my God, it's great to see Victoria because Victoria and I met at the National Speakers Association. Yes. And you did some amazing things. You were a speaker there. And you, what's so interesting is you studied mime, which is not talking. Right. And speaking is talking. So how did you transfer, you know, like your purpose of not speaking and working with one of the greatest masters of mime ever to connecting with an audience with words? Yes. What's that all about? Because I know a lot of the comics and writers um, on this program want to learn how to become a speaker because they do pay you a lot of money. And and rather than just paying you with um, a hamburger, they actually (laughs) give you a check. So I'm very interested in how you found your purpose that way. Yeah. Well, it's interesting how the mind piece stands out. So... For those of you who don't know me, uh, I'm really a performing artist. That's how I began. I was a writer, and then I moved into comedy and theater movement and dance and physical comedy and mask work. So I was learning all the physical arts. I was learning all the speaking arts, and I was learning all the comedic arts. And I put them all together. And so that was really... Wait, you put them all together? Into these one-woman shows. And so that's what I was doing. And in fact, just now, about an hour ago at this big event, I saw my manager from 2000 to 2001, David Steinberg, who managed Robin Williams and Billy Crystal. He was my manager at the time and set me in for Saturday Night Live. And we haven't seen each other in years. I haven't been doing comedy, so we haven't seen each other. But it was so fun to see him again. And we were just catching up. And it's interesting that you remember me as, as doing mine. Mine was one color. This is the way I talk about people. I say, you know, we all have a prism, uh, a full spectrum of different types of skills and talents. And mine was one color in that prism of what I did. That being said, uh, I've always been a speaking artist and a performing artist. And so the transition into the speaking industry was a natural one. So why do you call it an artist? Because I always think of artists as somebody who paints Right. I never think of what I do as art. Yes. You know, I, I never think of it as art. I think of it as, you know, sometimes a scam. <laughs> I can't believe I get paid to speak. But I never think of it as an art. So what does it yeah. mean to think of what you do as an, as an art form? Yeah. Well, two things I want to comment on. The scam comment, it's interesting how you see because you're getting paid for something you love, it's a scam. I think it's a scam when you're doing something dishonest or unethical. If you're getting paid to do something you love, which I would suspect is partly what this whole podcast is about, then it's never a scam because you're delivering value to people and you're coming from a place of true passion. So I guess it's such, to me, an anomaly to get paid 
for something you love, yes. that there's always um, a disbelief to me. Yeah. And and it's weird because your husband said something during, by the way, we're at Comedy Week at Chautauqua Institute and Lewis Black is here. And uh, Victoria was mentioning David Steinberg, who was a, is, I guess, still is a, a great manager, a, a, a legendary big, manager, a legendary comedy manager of uh, Robin Williams and um, and Victoria LaBaum. <laughs> She's waving her hands. <laughs> um, yeah. And so few people get this opportunity. It, it almost feels like I'm not worthy. And your husband, like what I was saying, uh, Frank Oz, and many of you know him from um, um, working with Jim Henson on, on The Muppets and then going on to direct, um, practically he mentioned every single comedian in the world that he's worked with, Steve Martin, and of course directed um, some of the greatest comedy legends and comedy hits. Um, and, but he, was, he said something, what was it about... Um, that when when you're doing what you love, you don't want to think about it. You don't want to get in the way of it. He was talking was about comedy, and he was saying, you know, when you're doing, and I'm going to misquote him, so this is not fair to him because it's important to get the wording right. But the essence of it, I believe, was that when you're great comedy, you don't want to be thinking as you're doing it. You have to rely on your toolbox. Oh, right, and so then he said... The more you get paid, the more he stopped relying on his instincts, because this is what I related to, and you're trying to please the other person, because yeah. you're getting paid so much. And that's somehow why I said scam, why it feels to me for my own self, like, oh my God, they're paying me for so much, yeah. you know? Um, but you see yourself as art i just want to try and understand that yeah well i the way i would categorize it is as a performing artist because i do think when one hears the word artist fairly or unfairly we conjure up this image of a painter or someone who does visual art yes um, and so i like to say performing arts because that's what it is it's a performance but it's an art I guess when you get the audience there especially you've done corporates right you've done a lot of corporate sure. How do you do that when you're trying to, because I see art as I'm so true to myself, yeah. right? But then you're at some, a bunch of accountants are in the audience, right? How do you do that? How do you please the audience and keep true to your own essence? Yeah. Well, I believe that there are universal truths to us as human beings, whether you're an artist or an accountant, you know, or whether you're a corporate executive or an administrative assistant or you're in the medical industry or you name it, insurance. And so what my show does, and when I say show, I mean my keynote performance. When I do events, I see it as a keynote performance. When I do these, I tap into those core universal human truths and if I'm speaking about something from my background as a performing artist if I'm speaking about theater or being on the set of Sex and the City or doing a television commercial or working with a great director and I'm using these instances I find that there's a connection to their business so that's how I can stay true to myself and relate it to them 
Let me rephrase this, what you're saying, make sure I got it right. You're saying that you are, you, you are true to yourself, and then you find that point, you find the bridge to the audience, right? So connect, so you go beyond, when I, if you're doing a corporate, um, not just a bunch of accountants, they, we all breathe, we all have heartbeats, we're all human. Right. And where, where do we connect? Yes. Well, exactly. And I think it's tricky. You have to be careful as a speaker, for those of you who are speakers, not to pander and not to be um, patronizing with an audience. Because I think sometimes speakers shove their point of view into the mouths of the audience. And I, I coming from a theater background, which I do, I prefer to have the audience come in with their own meaning. So what I mean by that is sometimes a speaker will say, so what I want you to take away from this is A, B, and C. And to me, that's 101 speaking, meaning level 101. It's beginner speaking. I think if you do it well and artfully, the audience will extract the message that's going to be most relevant to them at that point in their lives and what they need to hear. And people in an audience resist being told what they need to think at a sophisticated level. The, the higher you go with an audience, and by that I mean the higher consciousness that you want to tap into, the more, not the basic, boring, tactical ideas, which are great, but the more relevant, the more long, uh, long far-reaching ideas, the, the ones with more longevity, those, those are the ones people will want to extract. To give you an example, if you tell a story about your mother dying with cancer and how you took care of her, you don't have to say to the audience, so what I want you to take away from the story is ABC. Someone in the audience wow, might say, wow, I have to be nicer to my mother, or wow, I better check on my health. Or, wow, I, you know, I realize I've been working too hard. And even though I don't have a mother because my mother passed away 20 years ago, what I need to do is X, Y, and Z. And they will extract the meaning. It's the same way that when you read a novel, you can read it five years later or 10 years later, and you'll extract different meaning based on where you are in your life. Oh, interesting. That is really a good takeaway from this podcast, especially for me, which is to allow the freedom of the audience to find um, what message they need to hear. Right. And that if you say, and this is why I'm speaking to you today, because turn to the person next to you and connect, because we all need to connect, and yeah. this is what I need you to do, um, it limits what your message is. I believe so. Interesting. So you're... You, and you just told me, which was so exciting, um, that you just got a book deal. I did. I did. And I'm reticent to talk too much about it, lest I, you know. <laughs> right. Well, we're going to uh, release this now. And then when, it when your book is published, you're going to give me a call. Yes. And, and hopefully, um, I'm still doing this podcast. But yes. no matter what, we're going to rebroadcast this. Yes. And but and so I'm just tell us what yeah. you're thinking the title is uh, going yeah, to be so or what it's about. Absolutely. So I did I did a TED talk, a TEDx talk in 2016. It was called Risk Forward. And the idea behind it, and you can see this in the TED talk, you can just Google Risk Forward or Google my name, Victoria Labalm. That's L-A-B-A-L-M-E. Sometimes people go L-A-B-O-M-B, -B, like a bomb, and I go, no, L-O-B-L-A-B. A-L-M-E, like a balmy night. So in any event, when you look at that, what you see is the concept of risk forward, which is what the book is about, is how we move forward when we're not sure where we're going. How do we take steps in time of uncertainty? And there are times in our lives when we're between projects 
or when the path or the plan is not yet clear. You could be working on a creative project. You could be in a corporate setting and trying to brainstorm a problem. You could be in a time of transition in your life. In any of those situations, it's when the path ahead is not yet clear. And so the book is about the creative expression, how we take our unique gifts and talents and bring them out into the world when we're not sure where we're going. So are you sure where you're going with this book? No, the whole book is a risk forward. I've started the wow. afterward and I've said this book itself was a risk forward because I've been known in my career for other brands and businesses and I am taking a big step forward because I believe this is an important message. It's something I've struggled with my entire life, which is the not knowing. And yet I have a life and a career that is really quite extraordinary. And people say to me, how'd you get to where you are? What kind of goals did you have? And I go, I don't think I had goals. I just sort of figured it out as oh I went. Oh, my God. That's so interesting. I so I understand that. Because right? uh, uh, that... Uh, oh, there's beeping. Well, it's all right. Someone's okay. backing up. So I have always um, lived by that philosophy, but I never felt okay about it. Like, what's your goal? Right. What's your five-year plan, your 10-year plan? Right. You know, map out your life. And I have found that everything wonderful that's come into my life was not a plan. And, right. and if I had a plan, it, it would have limited what would come into my life? Because I can't even imagine that I would have been an author or all these things. That was not in my, exactly exactly. That wasn't in my plan. I just, you know, somebody on the street, even a stranger, will say to me, "You should do this," and I go, "Oh, okay." <laughs> and is that how your career unfolded? Exactly how my career has and do always people unfolded. People say to you all the time, "Wow, you have such an amazing career." Yes, and here's what's happening now because you and I spoke after Frank talked and I shared with you that I'm in a place right now where um, I'm in pain, really. You yeah. know, I'm in, I've been doing some of the similar things over and over. Right. I'm spending a lot of time, like, on a kind of business that I have, you know, teaching people online how to speak. And, and it's come to me um, that I'm going to be dead. And um, that's a big lie we all tell ourselves, yeah. that we have so much time. And if I'm going to be dead, what will I regret not doing? Yeah. And throughout my entire life, I've done things and then I start to hate doing them like stand up. I started to hate doing stand up because I was doing the same act, same act, same act, same act. Hated doing the same act. Ugh. And then it got so painful that I was actually throwing up before I went Ugh. on. And then... In the one night, I was, I remember where it was, I was in Governor's, a comedy club, which is known for horrible hecklers, and they were going, you suck, we hate you, and that's before I got up on stage, that's why I was walking up to the stage, and I stood in front of that audience, I looked at them, and I went, making alcoholics laugh was something I did at the dinner table, I don't need to do this anymore, I walked off, and I had no idea what to do with my life. Wow. When was that? That was, and it was after my mom died because she was like a stage mother. And who am I if I'm, you know, not right. living what my mom loved? Um, it was in the 80s. And then I didn't know what to do. Someone said, you should go to work, get a job. I didn't have any job skills. So I rent an office and I went there every day. And someone said, you should write a book. I did. It was rejected from 59 agents. Jeez, wow. And then one liked it. 
And then Oprah Winfrey right, liked it. And the next thing I know, someone called me and said, hey, come speak at our corporation. Wow. I had no idea there was this whole career called speaking, right? right? right. Really? Yeah. Oh, you're going to pay for my first class airfare? What? Yeah, right. Are you I kidding know. It's me? It's such an eye opener. <laughs> Just one night for that much money? Yeah. What? Absolutely. So this notion of nothingness is very powerful. Yeah. Yep. And that's what this book is about. So for those of you listening who are tapping into this and thinking you like it, I was telling you, Judy, I said, I'm not going to do this podcast interview till I'm ready with something for them to have because I want to give you each something to take with you. What I do have right now, if you go to the website, is you can get like little videos and there's a, a poster that's up there right now, which you can get. So that'll inspire you in the meantime. But please stay in touch with me because I want to, I'm building this community of people who are saying, yes, I believe in this too. This is how I want to either live my life or my kids don't know where they're going and I'm nervous about it or we're in a business situation. We don't know what's next. This, this book is for you. Don't you think, I mean, as you're talking, I'm thinking planning for the future. Plan, how could we even plan for the future that we, that we have right now? Yeah. You know, what's going on politically and sure. in this country and the changes that are happening every day. So don't you think that Planning for the future is a bit fear-based? Well, I hadn't thought of it like that. It could be. I think... I've I just think gotten an earthquake kit and the <laughs> yeah. solar power. Right. And, and my mind's going, well, if the electricity goes, I have this. And, the, and now we're yeah. thinking maybe we should get a gun because if, you know, people don't have enough to eat and this thing happened, then th and, and then it goes on and on. And where does right. it stop? By yeah. the way, I did not get a yeah. gun. So right, good. FYI. I, I, but I'm just saying... Right. This excessive planning. Yeah. Yeah. I think it depends on the intention behind the planning. I always, if, if to give you a, a basic example, let's just say it was a wedding and you were planning for a wedding a year from now, or you were planning to build a home and you wanted to make sure there was enough room for a baby's room who's going to join their family. So I think it depends on the intention behind it. I, I'm certainly not against planning. This book and my whole philosophy, and you'll see this in the TED Talk, it's not against planning. It's, a, it's, it's really how do we contend with ourselves and the pressure to know when we don't know and how do we find uh, our best way forward. As I say in the, in, the, in the TEDx talk, I think if we can meet that void without grasping for the most convenient way out, and that could be, oh, just go get a degree or go just sign up or just go marry him or just, you know, make a decision. There's a lot of decision-making pressure. If we can hang out in that unknowing for a little bit longer and then the, I'll pr be pr proposing various strategies, if we can then go forward with that intent, ask ourselves good questions, I think we can meet with extraordinary results. Interesting. It's like nature abhors a vacuum, right? There's right. Like Yes. But creating a vacuum in one's life is a powerful thing to do, especially yeah. in terms of a creative career. I think there are times when it's really valuable. I mean, there are some times when you have a deadline. Let's say you know this from your comedy days, as do I, or our keynote days. You know, you have a keynote coming up and you have a day to finish your prep. I mean, those are valid deadlines and you, you have to get focused. But what, what about creating new work and what are there times when when you have that open area. And that's, that's really what this is about. I think it's creating openness. Something just happened to me. David, um, Alan Zweibel's wife, what is her name? She's Robin. 
Robin Seidel is marvelous because I was telling a little story about how I ended up Chautauqua and she said, oh, you should open with that. And I think if I had planned my entire keynote from beginning to end, I'd go, well, of course I can't do that. I've written my entire keynote out. It's perfect yeah. the way it yeah. is. But the notion of, oh, okay. Right. Right. Yes. Of, of, I'm very susceptible to people coming into me saying something and then it letting, not being closed, right? Yep. Letting it, letting yep. myself react to it and then go, all right, risk forward i'm going to have a new opening <laughs> yes ex well, exactly and one of the, i have a <clears throat> i do a lot of work with speakers as you do you know we both come from that world of the arts which i will say so i coach speakers i have a whole brand called rock the room where i bring in entrepreneurs and executives and thought leaders and authors people who need to get on stage of some sort or on camera and rock it and one of the things that i talk about is often there's this organic acceleration as you get towards your event date or your filming date and it's often, you have to do a certain amount of prep, but you never want to, quote, script your speech. I always say, don't put the script in there because you, you need room for that improv. You need room for what I call structured spontaneity so that someone says, hey, how about you end with that? Because so many moments structured. happen at the very end. Structured spontaneity, I call Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of, um, well, that's like jumbo shrimp, right? Structured spontaneity. So you have a structure in place, which you do already. You have a lot of your material figured out for this event that you're doing, and yet you have enough room to be spontaneous so that you can make it of the moment. So when a Robin Zweibel says, hey, how about this? You think, yes. And what's extraordinary is the audience can feel that it's alive because they know that you didn't craft this two years ago. It couldn't have possibly, you know, that it happened right now. I'm, yeah, I love risking my opening. Yeah. I really do oh, always really? like that. I, well, sometimes I'll just have something I'll just say when I come on that I know works. But I do like, because I think it's the ultimate risk of coming on stage and doing something just for that audience. And it communicates to the audience that I'm here, I'm present, I'm yeah. now with you. Right. This is just for you. Right. How many people, comics worldwide, joke about Chautauqua. Right. <laughs> Chautauqua. Did I say it even right? Anyway, so th this risk forward is meaning is, is, let's talk about the risk element. Yeah. What are we risking when we are moving forward with our career? What does that mean to risk moving forward? It means not knowing if it's going to work out. It means not having all the answers when you go in. Uh, as I say in the TED Talk, and I'll say here, what, what I, what I want to distinguish it from is the go-for-your-goals mentality. It's not that. It's like, how do you move forward when you're not even sure where you're going? There's a difference. Ah. It's not, oh, I've always had a dream to be you know, an entrepreneur, and I'm stuck in a corporate job, and I'm going to go for the entrepreneur. And, and you're clear on that. I mean, that could be a risk forward, but what I'm talking about is a little bit different, is, is the navigating the unknown. Um, and so the risk is the fear of it. It's the uncertainty of it. And the, the basis of it, by the way, the term for me was inspired by, uh, going back to mime, Marcel Marceau, who used to talk about risque avant. It's a Frenchman. Risque. You know, the French word for risk. I risque. Love, I love you're doing an impression, Marcel Marceau, because no one will say, you know, 
Victoria, that's not what he sounds like. It's yeah, right, exactly. <laughs> so easy to yeah. get away with yeah. I could do so anything, funny. right? <laughs> <laughs> but the idea was that you were moving forward, heart open, heading into the unknown. And that's the idea is your chest was open, your heart is open, and you're heading into the unknown. I, I love that. I used to, when I, at times in my life when I didn't know where I was headed, I would like just write a note under and put it under my pillow yeah. to you know, show me something. Right. After my mom died, I didn't know what to do with my life. She died so suddenly and unexpectedly and so young that I decided that I wouldn't eat anything until I was shown a sign. Wow. And it was seven days. I didn't eat a thing. And I was rushing to, um, to different you know, seminars and books and trying to, to find something. And wow. I did find it. Um, I went to see... Uh, an incredible motivational speaker. I didn't even know they existed. And her name was Terry Cole Whitaker. And uh, she was amazing and showed me what I should be doing. But it was this week of heightened awareness. I also lost weight, which was always good. But it was heightened awareness and actively saying, I will be, it was like a certainty. I will be shown something. Yeah. Please show it to me. Right. And it was a it was it was a huge risk. I ended up um, buying a computer. It was 1984, so that was weird. Um, and I became a writer. Mm. And wow. I was shown that, and I booked a theater a month away, and I did a play. Yeah. And that launched. You know, me as a writer. Right. I had no idea I was a writer. Yeah. Um, I got D's in English, you know. So I love this notion that it's a risk. Because what does it feel like when you don't know? It is terrifying. It's, sometimes we're okay with it. But more often than not, depending on the culture that you live in, uh, there's a lot of pressure to know, you know. And so I appreciated when you said earlier... You're, out there when Judy and I first ran into each other she said I'm I said how are you doing she said well I'm, I'm in a crisis you know very few people say that you know when you're at a crossroads <laughs> you know you know she's like I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm looking at you know and I was like oh this is what I'm writing about yeah and so you know people people want to look like they have their act together sometimes we do sometimes we don't it's very but painful for people to be asked what are you doing and then they make up shit you know or they're yeah. at a party especially if you're a comic and you're not working you're going Oh, well, I'm, right. you know. Yeah, and I know a lot of people have that. Now, I, I want to clarify a few things here. It, okay. You know, the, the, the idea is not just for the, the, you know, when we're not sure about our careers. It could also be, you know, when you're stuck on a creative project and you're stumped or you're stuck on a business decision and you're stumped. So I want to provide a few strategies. That's right great because we always end this podcast with a couple, like, homework, a little exercise that people can do so we don't leave them you have nothing just go forth <laughs> yeah yeah good luck <laughs> good luck to you yeah so when I teach my program rock the room which is the one for speakers and people who want to be on video or on a big author stage I often say to them what is it you want your audience to know do and feel what's the knowledge you need to transfer what the actions do you want them to take and how do you want them to feel? So I ask that to my speakers, you know, for their audiences, when they're going to be interviewed or performing or speaking. 
And so for Risk Forward, I would ask that to you as the person in it. What do you need to know? What do you need to do? And what do you need to feel? And often we have those answers. I was like, so here's what I need to know. I need to know, for example, that we're going to figure this out. Or I need to know that we have these resources. I need to know it's going to be okay. Or I need to know that I have to figure out a way to make money. Or if you know, figure out what's the knowledge. What actions do I need to take? I need to talk to this person. I need to have time alone. And you start to, you already know a lot of these answers. And how do I want to feel? Whatever this is going to be, I want it to feel peaceful. I'm not going to take on this project or this job if it's going to stress me out entirely. Or I want to feel excited or I want to feel enthralled. Because oftentimes the, the outcome we go for doesn't have the elements and the essence of what we want. What I mean by that is sometimes people you know, achieve a goal, but it feels empty because it doesn't have the essence of what they want. So when I'm hired as a speaker, for example, I say to them, what is it you want the audience to know? Do you feel like how do you want the experience to be of me being on stage? And so for you, when you as a person are in that period of risking for it, it's like, what do you need to know, do, and feel? And somehow that immediately, people go, oh, I need to know I'm okay. It's going to be okay. Well, um, what if you don't know the answers to these questions? That's okay. You might not. That's the first thing. Actually, I jumped ahead because the very first thing, and this, you'll see this in, uh, in the material, all of my material, is I talk about the through line. It all begins with a through line. And the through line is the driving force behind all we do. It's this inner current that pulls us forward. Okay, ask me those questions, okay, because I want to... Oh, you want to go back to th- no do feel? Well, yeah, because w- this is what we're telling the people to do. Yeah. Let's, let's, what, what, what's the first question do? Okay, so you're in a, you're in a crisis, let's right? say. Right, okay. okay. Let's so, pretend I'm in a crisis. Okay. <laughs> Easy to do, because I am. All go right. ahead. So, and a crisis, that might not be, that's the word you use, but it, well, she was being particularly hard on herself. She's in, she's in a transition phase. Is all that right. fair to say? Okay, but it feels, you know, all those things, it feels painful. It's like, but I need to make money, and this is what makes money, but I'm not enjoying the thing that's making me money. I want to do the thing that's not going to make me any money. Do you know okay. what I mean? The, so, all those questions. So let's start with a through line. Okay. Which is what I went back to. So in each of us, I believe, is this inner current. It's this, like the current in a river, like the, the current in an electrical wire, okay. and it pulls us forward often in places we're not sure why. We, we can't articulate it, but I always say when your through line is buried, it shows up as intuition. So Judy's in a place right now where she's feeling like she needs to make money, but the thing she's doing is not giving her pleasure. She's at a point in her life where she, she said in the beginning of this podcast, she's going to die. <laughs> we all are. What's been pulling you forward, even if it's scary, even if it makes no sense? Well, what's pulling me forward and what I'm, is that I want to do my one-person show. Okay. Essentially like a memoir. Right. Okay. Good. Okay. So, and are there any wisps, I call it your hidden genius, that wisps by, these kind of thoughts that go by like a little smoke in the air and you sort of dismiss it. What, tell me about this one-woman show and any wisps that you like, visions you have that go with it. Well. Or ideas. The wisps. I get are just all the memories that I want might be in it, not be in it. Yeah. And then the scary part is, well, do I want to reveal that? Will I reveal that? And then the, the fear is what I want, what you said really hit me, your third thing is, what do I want to feel? Yeah. What I really want to feel is like, what the hell was that all about? Meaning my life, like that is there a through line and a meaning? 
and I know, don't know what it is now. And it's, it's okay. scary for me to get creatively involved when I don't know the ending, when yes. I don't know what is the glue that's holding it together, I, what is the through line. Yes. And maybe there's someone who can help me. Everyone who's tried to help me it hasn't been successful for a variety of reasons. But then it goes, okay, Judy, you could do this. This is what yeah. you do for other people. Right. And there's this enormous fear, right? Right, right. So that's what I want to do. I know how I want to feel. Oh, that, that's, that's who I am. Yeah. That's what it's all about. Good. Well, first off, thank you for being so honest in answering these questions. Let's, let's dive in a little bit on them. Okay. We're fine. Okay. I was just checking the time to see if we were good. So when you say you don't know the ending... And that's the scary part for you. Which ending are you talking about? The ending of the show or the ending of your the life? The theme of the show. It's like what everybody says, well, what is essentially your show all about? Yeah, that's a dangerous question. Yeah, what is it all about? And I, I, I'll make up something yeah. and then that doesn't feel right. Then I'll make up something else yeah. and that doesn't feel right. And then I'm bouncing, you know, like a plate spinner. Yeah. Trying to keep all the plates spinning. Right. It's not working. Yeah. That's a really tricky question for all of us to answer. And it goes back to my comment earlier about telling a story. It's really up to the audience to tell you what it's about. <gasps> oh, I'm going to cry. Really? <laughs> yeah. I'm going to cry. That's really beautiful because... In how the audience perceives it will give me my answer, and Absolutely. I don't have to know. You and don't and have every to know. person might have. Oh my God! You know, I totally get. This is. I'm so glad we're doing this podcast. It's <laughs> helping me. I hope it's helping our listeners. Is that you don't have to know where something is going you to do. be engaged in the creative process. That's exactly it. And I took a real risk during a corporate event, and I told a story, a personal story about my father, who was an abuser and, um, and a predator. And I took a real risk telling this story, such a deeply personal story in a corporate event. But it was women, so I figured, okay, not, not as risky. Yeah. And the reaction afterwards was more beautiful than any speech I've ever given. Yeah. Because afterwards, rather than people say, you were really funny, or you were really good, or I got a lot from it. People came, and every person had to hug me, right. and every person had to share their, their story. story. Yeah. And I went, this is what it feels like to connect. Absolutely. All right. Well, <laughs> I didn't have to sit so, here outside on a porch and no, talk no, with tears. No, no. I'm in my so eyes. glad. And this is this is this is. Um, I'm I'm happy because the the tears that you're having are the tears that I had. And so this is a personal mission of mine. What is what is well because I also didn't know, you know, and I I didn't get married until I was in my 40s. I mean, all my 20s and 30s, people say, when are you gonna get married? How can? And it felt like this end point. I didn't know, or. You know, when are you going to pick an apartment? Because I couldn't seem to find a, you know, a place. I was looking at apartments mm-hmm. for years. And people are like, when are you going to finally decide? When are you going to pick a career? And I have an extraordinary career. And I have an extraordinary marriage. And I have an extraordinary home. But I, it took me a while to find those. And so my, you follow your through line. You let it pull you forward, even if you don't know where it's taking you. And, and it will lead you to extraordinary places. Trust, people. Risk forward. She's going to risk forward and write this book, and uh, we're all going to have to buy it. Thank (laughs) Thank you you so much. much.
If you would like to learn more about turning your purpose into a career, go to themessageofyou.com where I'll give you free access to my online course. Click the button in the top banner when you get there. If you'd like to learn more about what I'm doing, then go to judycarter.com. Thanks for listening and let's find your message and launch your career. Thank you.